Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude Branding, a hospitality, branding, and experience design agency. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. Today we're joined by Bruce Persillet, chairman and founder at Mount Vernon Company. A real estate firm founded over 30 years ago, Mount Vernon Company has grown to over 1,600 apartments, five hotels, and a variety of commercial and vacation properties. In our discussion, we'll dive deep into one of his newest properties, the Revolution Hotel. Bruce will share how this wonderful project came to be and some unique challenges they faced. We'll also spend time discussing what the future of real estate investment will look like. Let's go ahead and dive in. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to get to speak with you. Oh, my pleasure. We had initially come across you um, through the Revolution Hotel, which I would like to dig into a little bit later, but um, congrats on being a finalist for the 16th annual HD Project Awards. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And um, we have received uh, a really a surprising number of awards for this hotel. I think uh, without knowing their exact names, I think we've won five design awards and we also won uh, the Condé Nast Travel Award as the best uh, hotel in Boston, which raised uh, a few, more than a few eyebrows of, of some of the other hoteliers in the city. That's really cool. So how, how did you first become interested in the real estate investment world and what was your journey into that? Well, it's been a long journey. I've been doing this for um, approximately 30 years and my orientation is advertising and marketing. And uh, the Revolution Hotel is, is an expression of that, but I used to work for a large ad agency in Boston and I worked on major consumer products uh, including uh, Parker Brothers Games and Ked Sneakers and uh, A&W Root Beer and, 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 you know, household names. Uh, and I, it was a business that I, I loved, but I accidentally stumbled upon real estate by buying a small condominium in Beacon Hill years ago and uh, sold it in a short period of time and doubled the value of it and it became a hobby while I was at in the advertising business. And along the way I had done it enough times that I just decided I would write a book about why I was achieving the results I was achieving. And it was the merger of marketing and real estate. I wrote a book called Packaging Your Home for Profit that was the precursor of staging your home. It was kind of the first book uh, that took this concept of consumer marketing uh, and applying it to real estate, which I termed the ultimate consumer product. And from there, I just started uh, on a very small scale. And uh, one thing led to another. And our company now is one of the largest private landlords 
uh, and developers in Boston, when I say private, you know, there's a lot of REITs and large scale um, you know, commercial developers that are national, but we are um, owned individually and uh, we use our own funds. And um, up to this moment, life has been good. <laughs> so here we are. That's really interesting, uh, you know, just hearing how you got your start. And it's, it's kind of neat to, to know that it was just kind of start out as a little side gig that you were doing and uh, turned into a lot more as you were learning as you went. And I'd be interested to know, you know, making that leap from, you know, real estate and like uh, multi and single family investment into the hospitality industry and, and what, what that was like for you and what principles, you know, carried over in that, in that transition? Well, I've always told our team that an apartment building is a slow motion hotel, that <laughs> you have to provide the same level of attention to detail and quality of service, except the turnover is once a year instead of once a day or once a week. So the, the, the segue was not dramatic, uh, dramatically different for me, and it played to what I see as a strength, which is understanding how to deal with the consumer. And it's something that is kind of in my veins. So it was a natural. And uh, it's kind of a funny story. Um, we, my wife and I got married on Nantucket, where we, I spent a, a great deal of time. And her family is from Holland. And she said, please go out and get um, 20 odd uh, hotel rooms. And so I came home and I said, well, I've got the, I've got the rooms. And she said, well, where are they? And I said, well, it's at the hotel that I just put under agreement. And she said, I didn't tell you to buy the rooms. I just told you to get the rooms." <laughs> <laughs> so I, my joke with her, and I had been eyeballing this hotel. It was just what put us over the edge. And I said, you know, note to self, don't tell a real estate guy to go out and get rooms. You know, <laughs> it has a whole different meaning. Um, and that hotel turned out to be really successful. And then we did a larger project on Nantucket. And our second hotel uh, was named by Condé Nast Travelers, the best new hotel in the world. So uh, we were off to a pretty good start. And uh, those hotels have per performed very, very well. And then we've kind of expanded this line of boutique hotels. And uh, it's a business that uh, one would think from a distance is hard to make money at. But indeed, if you run them a certain way um, and you provide high level of service, you buy them from mom and pop operators and you turn them into luxury experiences and the, um, the rates, you know, can, can double or triple. And uh, in this environment, small hotels, I think, are going to come back the quickest, but I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but that's, that, that was the, the, the transition. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great segue into um, talking more about one of your recent projects, the revolution hotel. 
So this is not your average hotel. What are some of the unique aspects that, that you guys were trying to build into this concept? So unique would be um, probably an understatement. Uh, this is a <laughs> clearly a one-off um, um, product that you will not see anywhere. Um, we started with a simple premise was that the American Revolution did not end in 1776. It was just getting warmed up. And I've been a kind of a student of Boston and, and I, I love this city very much, but I'm also um, taken with the fact that there's more innovation that has come out of this city, certainly on a per capita and per square mile basis, but I think in an absolute basis as well. There's been more innovation than any, any place on the planet. And the number of new products, concepts, ideas, medical devices, uh, movements that have originated in Boston is staggering. I mean, you just, it's so much of our daily life incorporate ideas that have come from Boston. Um, you know, simple things like a, the first police department, the first fire department, the first, um, the first uh, private college, um, the first, um, um, uh, the American Red Cross, um, all the way to products like the invention, the, the invention of ether and the typewriter and the telephone and, and uh, all the way up to the internet. And we wanted to showcase this. And so we used the hotel as a canvas to, in a very sophisticated way, show all these, ideas and all these um, innovations, but weave them in a subtle way uh, into the hotel. Uh, we have a bar top from the oldest tree in Boston that we purchased a part of. And we've correlated all of the rings with major events, like when Facebook was discovered, started at Harvard to when, um, Martin Luther King uh, graduated from Boston University and on and on and on. Uh, we, outside our gym, we have balls um, attached to the wall that reflect the sports that were invented in Boston. I have yet to find any individual when I say, tell me what sports were invented in Boston, who knows all of them. And it turns out uh, the first football league was in Boston on Boston Common. Uh, the first baseball game, everyone thinks it was Abner Doubleday in, in New York. It was not. It, it came from here. Uh, volleyball was invented uh, in, in these parts, as was basketball. Um, Candleton Bowling was invented here. And, uh, you know, it's almost every major sport was invented in Boston. And so we've we took that in a uh, graphically cool way and wove it throughout the entire hotel. We hired the top graffiti artists in, in America um, and um, 
we had him do a big mural in the building and then we wove it into the carpet in the hallway. So when you go upstairs, you're actually walking on the mural and there are literally hundreds and hundreds of details like this that uh, make this more of a curated building than a design building. And it was incredibly well received. And up till COVID-19, we were the uh, best performing hotel in in the city uh, based on occupancy. I mean, it was exceptional. And the the viral um, messaging about the hotel was great. And uh, we had just opened up a new restaurant and we were firing on all cylinders. And then of course, you know, the world, the world changed and uh, now we're figuring out where we go from here. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, it's really neat to hear how this property came to be. I'd be interested to know, like just, you know, putting all the pieces together, all the details, all of the touch points and putting together that guest experience um, that's, you know, this award-winning, like renowned experience for guests. I, you know, what sort of people and partners were involved do you, and would you contribute that success to as far as the development of it and the concept and, um, you know, putting all the pieces together? So we brought in an, an army of experts and we brought in a, uh, uh, a top advertising uh, a guy named Adam Larson, and Adam is an incredibly talented ad guy who um, would not be the first choice for most people because they don't understand the advertising business, but I do. So that was my first move, and he he had a great vision, um, and he was able to execute what I kind of conceived of, but at a very, very high level. And, you know, we had an architectural team, obviously, and, um, and we, then we, you know, we, we sourced artists and then we went and we have a, um, a, a something in the hotel called the um, innovation tower. And when the hall, the common areas of the building have very high ceilings. And so we have a, a 30 foot high concrete column that we wrapped with white anodized uh, with products that were treated with white, white anodized paint that are all the innovations. So you see this big column, but attached to it is an optical mouse and, a, and, a, and a, um, the gas tank of an Indian motorcycle and typewriters and telephones and, and computers. And, and, and it's really quite, Stunning, and you look at this, and you and you go, "What is this?" And then we, you got closer, and we have magnifying glasses on all the displays that, if you get close, you can read what this thing is all about. So, um, there's nothing cookie cutter about this hotel. Uh, there's nothing you're going to buy at Home Depot <laughs> that went into this hotel. Everything is crafted. Everything is uh, custom and it works. Yeah. Were the, uh, along the way, as you were creating this concept, was there any uh, like unique challenges that you faced, uh, you know, bringing it all together and, and launching it? 
Uh, the big challenge was the building. Um, it was built in the 50s, by the way, as the first YWCA in America. You know, the building itself was the first. Um, the construction of the building was so robust that it was very expensive to do penetrations in the floors, and it was um, it was built like a bomb shelter. So that that was that was problematical. Um, we um, the name the revolution, believe it or not, um, was controlled by a, a company that uh, has the name Revolution in there. Um, in their business line, and it, um, it, so they were. Uh, it, it turns out I knew one of the principals of this company, and he was incredibly um, magnanimous and let us use the name for 50 years. Um, and uh, so that was a real, that was a stumbling block right out of the gate because um, that was that name was key to what we we were doing. And um, we got that, and uh, so you know we were off and running. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure it's something that the community takes a lot of pride in, um, just being able to see their story put together for visitors to see and understand. Uh, that must be awesome. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely an asset to the neighborhood, and and you know people just walk in the in the uh, common area and the jaws drop. I mean, it's quite imposing when you walk in to see the mural and you see the innovation tower and you see, you know, uh, all of these touches and we save the old fashioned mailboxes from the hotel. Well, the first post office in America was in Boston and wherever you turn, if you take the time, you'll, it, there's just discovery everywhere. And, um, we do have a, a great restaurant and that's a plus for the neighborhood. And so it's, it, 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 it is a, uh, you know, it's kind of a landmark. Absolutely. Since your time in the industry, how have you seen, uh, how have you seen the real estate industry evolve and change over the years and how do you see it shaping up for the future? Well, the industry as a whole, um, uh, you know, when I first started, institutions were not in the multifamily business. Um, it was not an institutional kind of product type. It was office and industrial and, and all that. And when the institutional world kind of discovered and the investment world discovered multifamily, cap rates dropped significantly. It used to be everything sold at a 10 cap and then it basically became a five cap. So the value of everything doubled. Um, the standards are much higher in terms of product type. Uh, on the new projects we build, we work very, very hard to be the most innovative, to create the best amenities. Everyone does this now. And it's, you know, the, the term is amenity wars. You know, you try to outdo each other. Um, but I think the standard of apartment living has gone up just dramatically. And that's probably the biggest change that I have seen and the valuations. I mean, the re uh, unfortunately the returns are a lot lower too uh, because costs are higher and, and uh, uh, but it is a, you know, it's been a very, very strong performing business for a long time. 
and it has a much lower risk factor, much lower beta than than hotels. Hotels, and and we're seeing it now. Uh, if 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 things get if 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 the apartment business gets a cold, um, hotels catch pneumonia. Hmm. Yeah, and and you mentioned the term. Uh, or you mentioned uh, smaller properties earlier um, and how that, you know, you could see that being kind of the future of, in a way of the hospitality and hotel industry. Um, what sort of, or, or what does that look like to you, I guess, um, you know, and why do you think well, smaller I'm, properties I'm re- are, are kind of the Yeah, I'm, I'm referring specifically to Corona. Um, you know, this too shall pass. However, people... Um, there are certain behaviors that that uh, could last for a long time. Uh, one is, you know, clearly in the office market, uh, people have discovered that wait a minute, you know, working at home makes a whole lot of sense, and you save, you know, a couple hours a day commuting, and and you know this, that, and the other, and it turns out people are more productive, and that will affect office use for a long, long time, uh, maybe forever. Uh, it won't kill the office, but it's going to reduce the 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 requirements. Um, hotels, uh, you know, my 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 favorite line is uh, size matters. The smaller, the better. Um, I think for a while, people are going to be much more comfortable in small hotels than big hotels. And um, the ultimate big hotel is the convention hotel. Well. Number one, conventions will be reduced. Um, and number two is, you know, it's like a convention hotel is like a cruise ship. And, and um, you, you, you're in elevators with a lot of other people. Um, and you sometimes have HVAC systems that, um, you know, are common. And one of the nice things about the revolution is, each room has its own HVAC and operable windows. Uh, so we have a very healthy um, uh, level of air quality. And little boutique hotels are, are probably the first to come back because um, you know, a hotel that has 30 rooms and outdoor space is, is much more comfortable for visitors. So, I think the, 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 the small drive-to hotels will recover the first and the big fly-to hotels will recover last. How do you and your team uh, stay kind of ahead of the curve on, on the thinking and the trends? And, um, you know, what are some ways that you guys do that as a team? Well, we've, we are thinking constantly and we're always, always thinking. And, um, you know, some people for either lack of energy or lack of focus or lack of belief in, in the notion of, you know, that you, you always have to be ahead of the curve. Um, those people who take the uh, set it and forget it approach with real estate, um, uh, you know, sooner or later will get hurt because they're going to be behind the curve. And whether that's Relating to pricing or marketing strategies or physical aspects of the building, um, this is an, a dynamic business, and 
you know, people, a lot of people think it's an old fashioned dodgy business that, you know, you build an apartment building and, and that's it. But um, we are obsessed with watching the news and watching political developments and, 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 you know, COVID-19, we have a building that's under construction. Our entire furniture plan, we threw out the window and um, canceled orders and are now putting in a whole different furniture plan that reflects people's desire, at least at the moment, for physical uh, distance and privacy. And if we had just you know, the big communal couches and the big communal um, spaces that would encourage people to be together are now going to encourage people to be apart. So, um, yeah, you, you have got to be nimble and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of effort. And um, as a private company, we can make decisions very, very quickly if you have to go to a committee and a board and a this and a that, you don't have time to react. You, you, you've got to be nimble. And uh, I mean, it's a very good question you ask because it is, um, you know, I, I at night you know, sit there and, and we're constantly thinking about what's around the corner. And, you know, it, it, it actually has quite, it served us quite well because, when times get tough, we're usually in a pretty big, pretty good position to, to weather it. What projects or um, endeavors do you have coming up personally that you're excited about? So we have a, um, <clears throat> a, a new apartment building in Boston, in Alston, which is uh, part of Boston uh, called the art house. And the, the Alston section of Boston um, was named after a artist. Most people don't know this name, Washington Alston. And everything about the interior and the exterior speak to art in a very sophisticated way. And we had just completed a hotel called the radius, which was um, a big success and, 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 and quite stunning, but this thing takes it to another level. And I can't wait to see what this, how this comes out. I mean, we have things like we have a, um, a robotic uh, painting product that attaches to a wall and it, it goes up and down the wall and it makes new pictures all day long and you can program it. And I don't think anyone has seen this thing. It's brand new. And really um, wherever you go, there's something cool that's art, that, that is artistic. And we spend a lot of extra money on the shape of the exterior. The building kind of has these very sharp angles, and it's this is this is not a shoebox. Um, we we spend a lot of money as we do in a lot of our buildings to to make them uh, different. And, uh, th so this one is, this, this one's going to be great and it'll be done probably, um, I don't know, in about 11, 11 months or so. So that's our latest. And we're doing a huge project up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, I, and, uh, that's also going to 
kind of reflect some interesting aspects of, of that town and it's, um, it's a 12 acre site of a mixed use project and uh, Portsmouth has a very uh, kind of high standard of living. People really enjoy li- living there and now that COVID has hit, you know, a lot of people are questioning urban living. Do they do, do, do they really need to live downtown somewhere versus a, a small town uh, like like Portsmouth that just happens to have great restaurants and a beautiful seaport and uh, a, a strong job base around it. So our timing on that one may be, may be lucky. Well, I'm excited hearing you describe those. Uh, I know we're looking forward to continuing to watch what you guys are doing and um, just see how see how the world shakes out with all of this and uh, what the future has for us. But thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, some really cool insights and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing what you do next. Great. I uh, thank you again and uh, I enjoyed our chat. Thanks, Bruce. All right, stay safe. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. See you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Future Hospitality and on Facebook by searching for Future Hospitality. 